Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me now on the special quarantine edition of Half the Battle is UFC lightweight Drew Dover. Drew, welcome to Half the Battle. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Oh, uh, the pleasure's all mine. So, man, how's uh, quarantine life been treating you? Oh, uh, it's been interesting. Uh, just trying to prepare uh, for a potential fight. Uh, I, every single day I have to figure out training partners, coaches, gyms, all that stuff. So it's been a, it's been a unique experience for sure. So obviously your fight just got announced. You're taking on Alex Hernandez. I was trying to talk about that towards the end of the show, but since it got announced today, let's go ahead and knock it out, man. So look, this is a guy in Alex, uh, he prides himself on his footwork, but I have a feeling he's going to be looking to wrestle in y'all's fight. Uh, what's your opinion on the matchup? No, I, I agree. I think, uh, I mean, he came out uh, like great, like guns a-blazing in the UFC. But after his fight with uh, Donald Cerrone, he seemed a little gun-shy after that. So I have it in my head. Either he's going to come out enthusiastic, young, athletic, or he's going to try to circle that fence and, and wrestle with me. Um, either way, I'm prepared for it because – you know, I've been fighting Muay Thai my entire life, so guys have always tried to knock me out. And I was originally planning on fighting Diego, which is a uh, grappler who also wanted to wrestle me. So, I mean, I've been preparing perfectly for this fight. Well, it's interesting because you mentioned Diego. Obviously, Diego is known for his world-class jiu-jitsu. I mean, the guy's a third-degree black belt. Uh, you know, you've seen him in the UFC tie dudes' hands behind their backs and pound them out and all kinds of crazy stuff. The back takes come out of nowhere. But with Alex, it's more so of the wrestling. So do you have to make a couple adjustments or is it just business as usual for you? Yeah, it's just business as usual. Um, I've always had my eyes on Alex, you know, since entering the UFC. I kind of thought, you know, it wasn't a matter of if I fought him. It was when I was going to fight him. So, I, I mean, I've been watching his entire like UFC career. And so I know what he does. Um, there's no easy fights in the UFC. Um, this one is just maybe a little simpler because he's not the third degree black belt that Diego was. But um, he poses some interesting problems as well. Um, but I've, I've been focusing on myself. Every single day, I'm trying to get better at the things I do well and even the things I also don't do well. So that way, if you're watching film on my last fight, you're already behind. I've improved so much, especially in this quarantine, because I have nothing else to do. So one thing about Hernandez is uh, the kid uses really big words. I mean, he loves to show off the fact that he got an A-plus in English literature. Uh, are you prepared for the most trash talk an opponent has thrown at you in a while? Oh, I'm actually very intrigued, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in how that's going to go. You know, he's going to try to, you know, talk shit and say everything. And uh, I don't know. I just I think I'm charismatic. I'm witty and I'm going to roll with the punches. And I, honestly, I'm going to enjoy every bit of it because I could care less what his opinion is. So when I reached out to you to, you know, have you make an appearance on Half the Battles before this uh, matchup got announced. And the main reason I wanted to talk to you, Drew, is because when I heard your interview on Fight Week before the Nazrat fight, I was like, wow, that's an elite winner's mindset. And that's something that takes a while to develop. So tell me a little bit about this mindset that you have, man. Uh, we're talking about like the, the mindfulness or just... Just living in the moment. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, not really caring about wins and losses, more so the performance itself. Yeah, I mean, it's... Man, I can regurgitate so many like athletic or inspirational books. But yeah, I mean, there's really something to be said about enjoying the process and uh being in the moment you know even with you know this quarantine it was like am i fighting may 2nd am i fighting may 9th am i not fighting until june like you have to take every single day at a time because as of you know yesterday i had no idea i was fighting right and so 
like you have to take every single day. So on the Monday, you wake up and you're like, all right, what do I need to accomplish today? You know, and you don't think about Tuesday. You don't think about Wednesday. You don't think about Sunday either because it's already done and over with. You just think of like every intermediate. So that way your focus is in this moment. You can give it 100%, you know, and then once that's done, you know, you move on to the next task. And as you do that, it starts accumulating. And at the end of the week, you've performed every single daily task on a daily basis. And so now it's like, man, like everything, all the boxes are checked, all, everything is done and accomplished. And so you can feel satisfied that you, you, you got it done and you know, for what you're capable of moving forward. Now, is this something that you've developed over time? I'm sure this didn't come overnight, man. I mean, me and you are about the same age. I'm 30, you're 31. So, you know, around the age that we're at now, we're starting to realize things like this. Uh, so how did you, uh, how did you kind of come to this realization and really start applying these things in your life? Um, yeah, it was after my uh, my loss with Oliver Mercier. Um, you know, I, I went in a fight. Even my friends and family even commented. They're like, what was wrong? Like, you didn't look like yourself, like mentally. Like, I wasn't there. You know, I didn't lose the fight because of it. he was, you know, he got his game plan off before I did. Um, but yeah, I, just, I wanted to check in and be like, hey, like, I need something. Like, this needs to be fixed. It's I admit to myself where fault lies or where you know I struggle, you know, it, constructive criticism on myself, you know, it's self-awareness. I, I look back at, at a performance. I'm like, you know, these are things I need to prove on, you know, at 31 years old, it's hard. Cause you're just like, well, I mean, it's been working so far or, you know, whatever. So the mental game. And so, you know, I hired some people to talk to. And, um, really, I think the very drastic thing that I thought of was when I was competing in Muay Thai as a teenager, you know, I, I feel like I had the champion mindset, you know, and what that was, it was like, it was the young mindset. It was, I was doing it because it was fun. And like I was, I was training because I enjoyed it. You know, I wasn't worried about wins or losses or, you know, performances is when MMA felt like a job, then I started losing. And then I, then the loss turned into caution. And now I don't want to pull the trigger because like that loss sucked. And so like I went away from it. So now at 30 years old, and I started this when I uh, was scheduled to fight Josh Berkman, I was like, I'm going to go back to that young mindset of just like, I'm enjoying training. I love training, you know? And there's like, man, are you going to win or lose? I'm like, no, but I'm going to enjoy, like, I don't care. I'm going to enjoy 15 minutes in the cage because being in front of the audience, being able to compete, being able to like fight and, and do all this stuff is actually what I enjoy. The money, the fame, the, the everything else is just after the fact. So I'm just, I'm trying to draw it back into being a little simpler. And how do you make sure that you stay on the path, man? Because look, obviously you got some great momentum behind you, but we're all human here and random curveballs are going to be thrown your way. You know, obviously this uh, coronavirus didn't affect you too negatively. It might've affected other people, but let's say something else gets thrown your way. How do you make sure you stay on that path and keep doing the right things? You check in with yourself as often as possible. Check in with yourself. What do you want? You know, what, what is truly your desire, right? And does your actions reflect that? And so that's, that's what I mean by that checklist every single day is like, I want to fight, you know? And like, I love taking vacations. I love traveling with my girlfriend and stuff like that. But right now I want to fight. I want to be that fighter that competed during quarantine. And what does that take? That takes going into the gym every single day, getting it done. And I, I was just complaining like not too long ago. I was like, I feel like I'm running a triathlon with no finish line. And I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'd much rather regret I did than regret I didn't. So like every single day, I got to make it happen. I got to make it happen. So when the opportunity prevents, presents itself, like I'm all, I'm all in. So what's your daily routine like? I mean, do you meditate? Do you write down your goals? Uh, give a, give me a little insight to the everyday life of Drew Dober. 
ah, wake up, have some coffee, enjoy my breakfast. Um, you know, it's, uh, I would like to say, you know, I write my journal, I meditate, I practice, yoga, but I don't like every day is like absolutely different, but yeah, I check in with myself on that, that morning, you know, I wake up, how do I feel? All right. What do I want to do today? Got it. It's like, what, what is my plan? Like I gotta follow the nutrition plan and drink my coffee. And then, and then I realize, you know, my training may not be until noon. So I have a couple hours where I can just do what I want to do take advantage of those couple hours. Don't dwell on the things that you have to do until they're presented in front of you. So then it's just, yeah, honestly, just practicing mindfulness. I don't really need to write it down. I don't really need to like prevent, like create a um, extravagant schedule of like yoga and meditation, get this done, get this done. Like it seems very rigid when generally all of it is just enjoyment, enjoying your breakfast, enjoying your coffee, enjoying training, enjoying the fight. Did you like listen to like any positive materials? I mean, like maybe like some Tony Robbins, any stuff like that when you made that like switch? Oh, I, I collect all of it, you know, not like not only like, you know, the peers, like the, the Tony Robbins and all, and all that stuff, but also talking to uh, uh, friends and family and teammates. And, you know, and I feel like this goes along with not just fighters, just every single day, you know, yeah. I have friends that have like anxiety issues and like my sister, you know, she deals with her things. So it's just like, you know, what can we do? And it's, I feel like it's all, you know, relative. We want, we, we have a large goal and that goal consists of little mini goals and those consist of action plans and the entire time. Right. I'm not going to be satisfied when I finally get it at the end, you know, and I was like, no, I like, I'm going to be satisfied with the daily task. I'm going to be satisfied with the weekly task and it's all going to start adding up. And, you know, in the time it you're just going to enjoy all of it. Now, you've always had potential since day one, but now the execution is better than it's ever been. And even in some of your losses, like you mentioned the Olivier fight, you dropped him in that fight, right? So what was the fight where you would say that things really started clicking? Josh Berkman. Yeah, that Josh Berkman fight. Uh, you know, after my uh, Mercier fight, um, like... I didn't hit ground zero, but man, it was some, some tough times. I lost a fight. I was questioning things. And, and that's, that's the time where you, you take a step back and you look at yourself. You're like, all right, well, what, uh, what have you been doing? What, uh, what are the things you can change? And, and that's when I was like, all right, well, this is what I truly want. I want a world title and it's never too late. It's never too late. And so I was like, all right, I didn't even make, make the adjustments. I know what I'm capable of. Um, I just may not be doing it. So I just, I looked out and I searched and I gathered information. And, you know, I think that's still what I'm trying to do at 31 years old is I gather information. I'm always evolving. And like, yeah, I refuse to be complacent. And you said in that interview I referenced earlier, how uh, in your twenties you were, you know, you had a sports car, but with a bad driver, but now you got a good driver behind the wheel. Uh, Tell me a little bit about that. Oh man, like, I mean, I don't know if the fights are on like YouTube, but like I went to wars and, you know, like training was just how uncomfortable can I make myself feel like just, just sparring till you're blue in the face and just training like, like hard all the time. And like, like literally if your head wasn't on the grindstone, you're losing. Like, and so when I would go into fights, it was like, I'm just going to hit him more times than he can hit me, you know? And so, yeah, man, I was just guns, guns ablazing, just pedal to the floor going straight and like anytime the the track deviated i didn't know what to do with it so then um you know in the ufc and and after the fight with oliver mercier i was like no we're gonna do things correctly it, it's not all just 100 percent. 
sometimes it's 60, sometimes it's 20, sometimes we shut it off. You know, and uh, I think uh, uh, Donald Cerrone said in a lot of interviews that he was super tight and super rigid, you know, early on. And then once he decided to, like, loosen up and relax, then things were able to flow freely. And uh, I kind of took that. And I was like, you know, I think I'm I'm a perfectionist. I'm, I overanalyze and, like, I don't know. So it was, yeah, my 20s was head to the grindstone and guns blazing. And now in my 30s, uh, I water the plant and I just let it bloom. How old were you when you had your first Muay Thai fight? I was, I think I was 16 years old when I had my first Muay Thai smoker. Um, and then I was uh, 18 when I had my first um, Muay Thai fight. I was 17 when I had my first uh, amateur bar fight. <laughs> so how did you make that transition from uh, Muay Thai to MMA? Because obviously there's so many different areas that you need to include in your game. The distance is completely different. Uh, if you yeah. just throw kicks freely, someone's going to take you down. You got to set them up. Oh, man, that's it's always been the learning process. I, I feel like I'm still trying to learn it. But uh, uh, no, early on, like striking was I just loved it. Right. It, to me, it felt like dancing. Right. You create a rhythm. You move with your partner. You like, you know, it's it, it was fun. And um, yeah, I just I just remember I was like, stand, I just got done with my kickboxing training. I was standing outside the gym and a couple tatted guys were like walking in with geese. And I'm like, what are they doing? I popped in and it was a Brazilian jiu jitsu class. And I'm like, yeah, I want to give that a try. And I gave that a try, and then um, and then I saw my first cage fight, and I was just like, "Yeah, I want to do that." And so then I found like a bigger gym, and I was just kind of bouncing between Muay Thai because I loved it. I loved Muay Thai, and then doing MMA because it had more opportunity to fight in MMA. And so then eventually I was like, "Well, what what are I going to make the most money out of? Like, what? How do I see like see myself in like 10, 15 years?" And it wasn't in Muay Thai; it was in MMA. So I was like, "All right, well, I got to start focusing on that grappling." So, I mean, when you started off in jujitsu, uh, was it kind of a thing where like, man, I'm only going to come like once a week. I want to go to Muay Thai class or were you all in right away? Because I know with a lot of strikers, it's like they'll be like, man, like, you know, they have a certain view about jujitsu. I know you know what I'm talking about. They'll be like, man, y'all, y'all go roll around in your pajamas. I'm just going to hit pads or whatever. But uh, was it at all like you were all in right away or did it take some time to develop that love uh, for jujitsu? Brazilian jiu-jitsu because they uh I mean a lot of those guys kind of had like the relaxed flow state of mind where you just kind of like grab you know and you move and you flow and so like to me it was actually really fun I learned technique and like I flow with it so it's still kind of like striking just on the ground right it wasn't until wrestling that I struggled because wrestling it was like you, like you're grinding out somebody like you, you're forehead to forehead you're killing it and so like that was hard for me because it was a little less of a dance and more of like a a bull and so the wrestling was the difficult part, but uh, I think I I really enjoy like point traditional jujitsu. I absolutely love it, but I have to take a step back and and focus on the cage fighting. So you got five first round finishes inside the UFC's octagon. Uh, that's something the fans obviously love to see. Do you pride yourself on being a finisher? Um, and honestly, I I, I didn't really think about it. Uh, I, I, I made that post uh, on my social media not too long ago, but like my finishes. And to be honest, like it caught me by surprise because someone else posted it. And I looked at it. I was like, I do have five first round finishes. And I was like, I never thought of that. I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. That sounds about right. You know, but now I'm always just thinking of, I want more, you know, I want, I, 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 I'm also excited for three round wars. Because, I mean, that's the, the rocky story everyone appreciates. So you're 7-2 and two in your last nine fights. Uh, how far do you want to take this thing, man? What's your ultimate goal? 
ultimate goal is to be a household name. I want people uh, look at look at Cerrone. You know, I, I think he's kind of like the the level that I I, I you know adhere to, which is fight for a title, win the title is great. I just want to have a story of a, a long legacy of fights before I you know have to you know sign up or sign off and uh, not be able to compete anymore. So for me, the more the merrier, the more rounds, the more cage time, the more performances. Um, and even like, you know, even if a loss happens, like still making it as something to remember. Now, obviously something that I want to know, something that the fans want to know is what are these sparring sessions like with you and Justin Gaethje? You guys ever consider going live on Facebook? <laughs> we were joking around about it. Cause like literally like, it was an empty auditorium. I had my coach, he had his coach and we sparred for five rounds. So like we had a secluded title fight together and, uh, Oh yeah, man. Like I can't say who would take it, man. Some days I'm the nail. Sometimes I'm the hammer. Like some days I, I, I get beat up some days, you know, he doesn't do well. And so, uh, God, it's, it's, it's fantastic because both him and I love this sport. We love competing and so he didn't really have a fight scheduled but he had to train it's in our mentality and like i had something and i was like all right well you know let's just do this and so him and i just just enjoy being in the cage and so yeah it's <laughs> we were joking about throwing up on live and stuff like that but under quarantine i don't think uh the gym would have liked it very much i know right you might have got hit with that little fine maybe a little visit yeah. along the way right but uh so I got to imagine that training with someone that elite, you know, obviously he's a former D1 wrestler. He's a former MMA champion. Now he's a UFC number one contender training with someone like that. That's got to only elevate your confidence and your skill set to that next level. So, I mean, how do you feel personally knowing how you stack up against a top five UFC lightweight? Um, yeah, I just don't think I'm going to be surprised by anything. I mean, I mean, Gaethje and I aren't fighting. Like, we're still, you know, we're pulling some punches. I mean, Gaethje's got some heat in those hands. And so I'm just thankful that he hasn't, like, put me to sleep, you know? <laughs> but, um, yeah, he elevates me. But, man, there's guys on Team Elevation that elevate me, and people have never heard of them, man. Like, we have, like, Carrington Banks, who's just such a great wrestler, and he's been coming in, throwing me on my head on a daily basis. And, you know, I have these guys that, like – blue belts and purple belts just coming in and just and just really just give me some tough times uh so it's just like the prestige of justin gaethje right it doesn't take away from the fact that like these other guys are also making me better um i always tell people like i get my ass kicked monday through friday so i can kick someone else's ass on the occasional saturday so, i like it like, man i like that quote he started killing me so you've also been doing some training with uh, a former opponent of yours, Benil Dariush, and Benny's like one of the nicest guys in the sport. Obviously, his jujitsu background is unbelievable. I mean, I know you know back in the day he had that match with Crone Gracie that kind of got his name out there on the jujitsu scene, and just such a nice guy. What's it been like training with someone like that? Oh, it's great, um, man. With Benil, it's such a unique thing because I've been a, a fan of his since like the Cron Gracie, and then you know he's fighting the UFC. Like I was like, oh man, this guy is fantastic. So when the UFC offered like you, you know, Benil Darush, I was like, oh my god, this yes, absolutely. Like I want to be able to compete with like the best in the world, and in my opinion, he was fantastic. And um, yeah, and then at the hotel, we started talking, and uh, yeah, we we became friends before the fight. We competed hard and, you know, we didn't, we left everything out in, you know, in that cage. And then afterwards we watched the fight together and like joked around about it. And, uh, yeah. So, and then, yeah, I was, 
I was so ecstatic when he won his last fight. Uh, so yeah, we're buddies. And so like, uh, he had the opportunity to come out to uh, Colorado and help us prepare. And, uh, yeah, I was all about it. And so we just were bouncing technique off each other and just talking about philosophies and stuff like that. And yeah, it's just fun. And that's kind of like the, the martial art way, right? You know, we fight when we're in the cage, but outside the cage, you know, we're all martial artists and we all just enjoy this, this lifestyle. Yeah, but you don't see that too often, right? Like opponents will have respect and stuff like that, but it seems like y'all two specifically, like even before y'all fought, you already have such a positive energy about y'all that it only made sense. That That's kind of funny you mentioned y'all watched the fight together. Y'all put on one hell of a show. So what was that like watching a, a fight with a previous opponent? Um, Man, at the time it was heartbreaking because right? I didn't get the W. Uh, but, um, yeah, then he was like talking about in, like the first round, he was like, oh, then you hit me with this and that. And like, this was his mindset. So it was actually really cool to kind of listen to like, you know, this is how I felt fighting you. And then I could tell him this is what it was like fighting you. And this is what you did well. And then, and then now since we're training together, it was just kind of like, um, you know, this is what your opponents are going to be aware of. And, uh, this is kind of like where you feel strong and make me uncomfortable. And, and we're just kind of bouncing to like, you know, you know, how, when Drew Dober is his best or when Benil is his best and like how we compliment each other. And, uh, you know, the rematch of Benil, you know, it could happen, but as of right now, the lightweight division is so deep and talented that it's like, we don't really need to fight each other again. So we might as well just make each other better. And if it does happen, that's only gonna make the fight even more fantastic. Yeah. I mean, with y'all two style, y'all always go, you know, for the finish every single time. So in your preparation, you, you know, you mentioned how you focus on yourself, but do you at all uh, study your opponents or watch film or anything like that? Um, yeah, I, I leave it more to my coaches about um, being very analytical. Um, I'll watch like, are they left handed? Are they right handed? Do they like to wrestle? Do they like to stand and trade? Um, but the, the problem I see with videos is um, they're not fighting me. And so in that video, they're preparing for a totally different opponent. And so they're going to be, they're coming up with the game plan right now to fight me. So I got to determine what is that game plan? Like if I were going to fight Drew Dober, this is what I want to do. This is what I need to do. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to stop that then, you know? And so like watching film, it's, it's yesterday's news, you know, I'm trying to work on today's, I'm trying to create tomorrow's. So in your first UFC win, you uh, finished the former WEC champion, Jamie Varner. Now, I got to imagine that that was a pretty surreal fight because, like, you know, guys like me and you grew up watching Jamie Varner in the WEC, and that was, like, the first big name you ever fought, and it was your first UFC win, first UFC finish. What was it like going into that fight? Was that, like, the first time you might have been, like, maybe a little nervous or kind of like, dude, it's Jamie Varner? Like, what was that like, man? Oh man, I could probably write a chapter in a, in a story about this, but like, yeah, receiving that email from Joe Silva, like you want to fight Jamie Varner? I was like, Oh my God. Like, like, yeah, let's do it. You know? And I, I significantly remember this is might've been, cause I touched on this when I, I, I was talking about being in the moment, um, which is, yeah, in that locker room, I was nervous. I was like, Oh my God, like I'm going to fight this guy that I was like looking up to. And like, he's fought the best in the world. And Oh, how am I going to do? And all this stuff. And, um, lucky for me, they put me in the pit. You know, where you're standing behind the cameraman, just behind the curtains, waiting for your name to be called and walk out and standing there. I'm like eyeballing through the curtains and I saw the audience and I heard the music. And then like just being in there for a long, elongated period of time, like I was like, this is what I love doing. Like, it's not about I love winning or I hate losing or like it's it's all about like 
I love the moments I'm in there. And I love being in front of the audience and I love being under the lights. And I, 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 so it was like, at that point I was like, it doesn't even matter. I get to compete with Jamie Varner and that in itself is fantastic. And so then all the anxiety went away because I stopped thinking about what if scenarios and I was just like, this is happening. Now I'm just going to eat it up. It's almost like the way you just described your mindset before that fight. Once you were like, Hey, I got to compete with Jamie Varner. It's almost like that might be your mindset today. Like, in a way, like, you know, like you're not focused on the outcome. You're just focusing on just going out there and performing. Uh, did you kind of lose that along the way or have you had it hit and miss and now it's consistent or what? So it was a hit and miss. It was spontaneous. It happened randomly. Right. And so it wasn't until I talked to somebody that was just kind of like that was the, the like the mind of a champion. That was the moment of brilliance. That was you in your zone. So now I was, I was like, now I know that zone. How do I recreate that? How do I? And so I was like, so now I just practice it every day. This is my zone. I like to dance. I have fun. I enjoy moments. And like, that's what I do. So every single day, if I deviate from like, I'm getting rigid, I'm becoming a perfectionist. I'm like, you know, uh, being super hard on myself. I'm like, no, take it back. And so now my coaches know. And so I'm working with my striking coach. And he looks at me and he goes, you know, unbrow, like, stop frowning. Start having fun. Like you want to dance a little bit and start hitting mitts. And so like now, yeah. So we 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 focused it instead of it just being a random occurrence. That's great, man. So Drew, obviously the fans were really excited to hear that you were coming on half the battle. Are you down to do a couple fan questions? Oh yeah, absolutely. So Rockstar Z said, uh, did you bet on yourself versus Nazra? And real quick, before you answer the question, Drew, it's completely legal to bet on yourself, just so you know. And you were a huge underdog in that fight. That I didn't know, uh, but I'm not a betting man. Uh, I feel like anytime I bet or I, I want a fighter to win, I'm most of the time wrong. I'm caught off calling fights. So I felt like it would be kind of like, if I bet on myself, I might be adding some bad juju to this. Okay, so... Yeah, so in that case, got to get your friends to bet on you, right? And just give you like a cut, you know what I'm saying? But uh, so Nick wants to know, how's Gaethje's jujitsu? Oh, yeah, no, it's great. Uh, you don't get to see him him grapple, but uh, his wrestling is, is solid. Like when he chooses to wrestle, he wrestles well. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of amateur fights that he has that he's knocked people out by slamming them on their head. Like he's, he's pretty solid, but I think his wrestling's so good that he doesn't need to do jujitsu. So James says, you look like a decent-sized middleweight when you're not fighting. How the hell does a Drew Dober cut to 155 without cutting a leg off? Uh, I mean, I wish I could just detach some of these calves. Uh, but honestly, like, I just follow a, like, a strict nutrition program and uh, try to like just dehydrate the muscles. I know, I feel like after a fight, I look like Paulo Costa just... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, making 55s rough. I wish there was a 65, but there's not. So now this is a funny question. Uh, he's asking, uh, do you ever skip leg day <laughs> with these heavy calves? Every day is leg day. No, just me getting out of bed and moving these ham hocks. Like it's sore. <laughs> and actually on that topic, I got my own question. So you're a former Muay Thai fighter, and I mean, you're, you'll be a Muay Thai fighter for life. It's, it's in your heart. And obviously, leg kicks are a huge part of Muay Thai. Now, traditionally speaking in Muay Thai, you know, you, you kick to, to the thigh. But lately, a lot of people are making this adjustment. They're going down to the calf. What's your opinion of these calf kicks that have, you know, they've been around for a while, but now they're getting more uh, prominent? 
Oh yeah, no, I I, I like it. I like it because you know at first like, the leg kicks and the thigh were working, so then people start checking, you know, checking the kicks, and um and so when people check the kicks, the the, the thigh is there, and it disrupts balance. And uh, you know we touched on earlier in the show that um you know the distance is different. You know Muay Thai, it's it, I mean it's a dog fight, like you're you know touching each other's hands and but with the distance, you know so. Trying to kick people's thigh, I got to commit. But pe- kicking people's calves, they're right there in front of me. And if they decide to try to check it or try to move, um, I'm not off balance in any ma- any manner. So Rocco says, uh, after you defeated Nazrat, what was your post-fight munch? Oh, God. <laughs> um, I went to a barbecue joint in um, the Palms, I think it was, uh, because – they don't allow the fighters to go out into the auditorium. I want to watch Conor McGregor fight. So I went to this barbecue joint and I just had literally the array. Like literally if it was meat and had barbecue sauce on it, I was like, just bring it out. And we just watched Conor's fight and just destroyed barbecue. That sounds like a great time. So when you're dieting in your camp, I mean, is it strict? Is it like down to a science or is it just kind of common sense, you know, not eating past a certain time, no breads, no sugars, you know, shit like that? Or like, tell me about it because you making 55, it has everything has to be on point in my opinion. So, yeah. So with me making 55, uh, you know, I uh, got with a nutritionist uh, here in Denver. And so she's got the formula and she just basically supplies me like, this is what you eat. This is when you eat it. You know, I'm like, that's in camp. That's me making 55. Now at a, ca- a camp, it's just mindful. Honestly, I think, um, you know, eat to your full, don't eat anymore. Uh, and I'm, I'm not really big in the whole avoidance thing, like avoiding eating after nine or avoiding carbs or like, no, just enjoy what you want to enjoy. And then just be mindful of like how much you're eating. Um, but there's always balance, you know, like I can't say like, <laughs> I'm not close to 55 all year round. So I enjoy myself every once in a while. For sure. So last fan question for you. Uh, Vince wants to know, how's your training been affected since all this stuff's been going on? Um, I, I couldn't sit back and coast in routine, right? Every single day or every single night, actually, I had to think about teammates, coaches, gym, where is this going to be at, when it's going to be at. So every Monday night, every Tuesday night, every Thursday night, like I had to figure out what tomorrow tomorrow's plan is. And I had to contact everybody to where usually if we weren't in quarantine, we just all show up at the same place at the same time. Nice. Well, Drew, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been an absolute pleasure. I know the fans have really enjoyed this. Uh, they can follow you at Drew Dober. Uh, Drew, any message for the fans before I let you go? No, May 13th, pay attention, watch ESPN. I'm like, I'm super excited that their fight's finally being on. So just enjoy what all this, all our fighters have been uh, training for. So, and then, uh, yeah, if you want to be on the show after the fact, uh, you just let me know. Absolutely. It'd be my pleasure. So the fans, make sure you follow Drew at Drew Dober. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. We will be back next week to break down UFC 249. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.